The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles and welcome back to my channel. Today's video is going to be yet another solved true crime case in my Cura's Case series. You might notice that this video is a little bit shorter than usual, but this case is- With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. A case that has been requested by one of you people out there and I thought it was a really important case to cover. Special shout out to Pixie Vomit for requesting this case. If you have any case suggestions then please go to requestacase.com and send in your suggestions there. Before we delve into this video I'd just like to make the super special announcement that my podcast Crime Time, which is a true crime podcast, is coming out today. It is out as of this video going live. You can go watch the very first episode episode here on YouTube or on Spotify, Google Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all those good places. It is a laid-back true crime podcast that I have done with Molly Westbrook, Dark Curiosities, and Kirsty Sky, so be sure to go check that out as soon as you're done watching this video. Let me tell you now that today's case actually drove me insane whilst I was researching it, and I'm sure you'll find out by the end of this case just how crazy and how 
upsetting this case actually is. I was absolutely gobsmacked by the ending of this case. I'd just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It has just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Now, with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. This case takes place in May of 1991, and let me tell you that it is such a heartbreaking case. Catherine Ayling was born in 1967 and had a fairly regular childhood and upbringing. She was very, very smart and always achieved top grades in school, so it wasn't really a shock when she got into Crewe and Alsaga College, which was in Cheshire, England, to study humanities. That college has since been renamed. Catherine had always wanted to travel the world and when the opportunity came up for her to take part in the college's student exchange scheme, she jumped at the opportunity. Now the exchange was with Bridgewater State College, which is in Boston, United States, and was set to last about six months. However, on this exchange, Catherine would meet a man that would ultimately seal her fate. Not long after Catherine would return from this exchange trip, she would be found dead in the boots of a car at Gatwick Airport. And the events leading up to Catherine's death would baffle the British public and the media for decades to come. This is the curious case of Catherine Ayling. When 24-year-old Catherine Ayling was on the Dream of a Lifetime student exchange to a college near Boston, USA, from England, she met a man that would change her life and seal her destiny. And this man was 27-year-old Curtis Howard. Curtis was from Boston, Massachusetts. Now, Curtis was actually a computer expert who frequented the gym, so was quite muscular. And it's not quite clear how Curtis and Catherine met. Um, it's likely that they just bumped into one another at a bar on campus or had mutual friends, but the pair did meet. And as soon as Curtis set his eyes on Catherine, he was hooked. He instantly fell in love with her and started to flower her with gifts and affection from the offset. He even took her on a date to a top restaurant in a chauffeur-driven limousine. And he tried to impress her with lies that his family are super rich and are from this really nice privileged background when in actual fact, uh, the reality is very much the opposite. Curtis told Catherine that his parents were really wealthy doctors from Miami. However, in actual fact, Curtis was from a poverty-stricken background. However, despite all of this affection and gifts and attempts to woo Catherine, Catherine did not return the affection. She, she did not have a crush on him at all. She wasn't into Curtis in the slightest and only thought that they were going out on friendly, you know, dates out as friends, not as as an actual date. Sadly, Catherine's once-in-a-lifetime trip to America was actually cut short by the unexpected passing of her father, and that meant that Catherine had to return to England. So she rushed home to be back with her family. But by this point, 
it was too late. Curtis was absolutely obsessed with Catherine and frequently sent her more gifts and letters through the mail to the college where she was studying. Further to this, Curtis didn't actually believe that Catherine's father had even passed away. He thought that she had just said this so that she could get away from him and in, in an attempt to reject him. And he took this very, 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 very personally and very seriously. So Curtis flew to the UK in search of Catherine in June of 1990. And when he got to the UK, he actually allegedly enlisted the help of a private investigator to track down Catherine's family home. Curtis then broke in to the family home. He slashed Catherine's pillow with a knife and left a note that read, Catherine Ailing, you will burn in hell. And then in the back of the door, he scratched, Catherine is dead. Now, Curtis was promptly arrested by the local police force, and he admitted that he was, in fact, guilty of burglary. He was subsequently sent back to America, however, and crucially, he wasn't technically deported. But Curtis was insistent on getting revenge on the girl that had rejected him, and according to his private investigator, Catherine had been seen hanging around some other guys, and in Curtis's mind, that meant that Catherine was cheating cheating on him. And that was despite the fact that Catherine and Curtis had never been in a relationship, they'd never been exclusive. Curtis then persuaded one of his friends, who was called Dwayne Williams, to take a photograph with his glasses on so that Curtis could apply for a fake passport. Curtis used the details of a deceased friend along with this faked picture to apply for the fake passport. And crazily, he was successful in this application. He was granted this fake passport. Curtis then flew back to the UK to finish what he had started. He rented a car from Gatwick Airport and tracked down Catherine to the campus of the college she attended. And he did this in May of 1991. And in the car park of of the college, Curtis confronted Catherine. You see, Curtis had actually told his private investigator that Catherine was his cheating fiance. So when the private investigator came back with this evidence that she was hanging out with other guys and was, you know, going to pubs and bars with them and just having a general good time, Curtis was absolutely outraged. He truly believed that Catherine was his and in a relationship. And this was, like I said, despite the fact that they had never been in a relationship, they had never been exclusive. Curtis then attacked Catherine and stabbed her 12 times with a knife. He punched her in the face before slitting her throat with that same knife. He then drags the body out of Catherine's front seat of her car into the boot of his car. Now, surprisingly, there was actually a witness to this brutal attack. However, this witness didn't actually come forward with any information to the police because the witness thought that the screams, the final screams of Catherine Ailing, had just been that of a domestic spiff, just a little argument between relationships. The witness didn't believe it to be anything serious. Catherine's Citroen 2CV was then found by the campus security in the car park with bloodstained seats. Now, Catherine was due to sit her exams, her finals, um, on the day that she had been murdered. And when she didn't show up to the exam hall, 
her friends grew very, very, very worried. Catherine was not the kind of person to just skip an exam. Curtis drove back to Gatwick Airport with Catherine in the boot of the car and left it in the car park, boarded the next flight back to America and flew home. His mission had been completed. Now, it wasn't long before airport security discovered the abandoned rental vehicle in the car park. They noticed it was a rental vehicle and realized it should have been returned back to the rental place. However, upon further inspection, the remains of a young woman were found in the boot. The body was confirmed to be that of Catherine's through the use of her college ID that she had on her. Catherine's family had actually pointed the police in the direction of Curtis um, after Catherine first went missing on that first day before they located her body. However, because Curtis had flown back to the USA, there was nothing the police could do. However, when Curtis was back in America, he actually confessed to a student advisor what he had done. He confessed in a letter what he had done to Catherine after seeing the uh, news reports of Catherine's disappearance. The student advisor immediately contacted the local authorities and the FBI promptly arrested Curtis. Now Curtis actually contested his extradition back to the UK on the grounds that he would not receive a fair trial due to his skin colour and due to the unfair coverage that was already in the press. Curtis Howard was then sentenced and charged for three years in prison for forging a passport. And over the course of the next two years, the British Crown Court worked tirelessly to get Curtis extradited to the UK to stand trial for the murder of Catherine. Because obviously the American court system couldn't prosecute Curtis for a crime that hadn't been committed on American soil. And after two years, the Crown Court was successful in their extradition attempts and Curtis was extradited back to the UK to stand trial for murder. He was charged with first degree murder, however he actually entered a plea of guilty for manslaughter due to diminished responsibility. And this was on account of mental illness causing him to become so obsessed with Catherine. Medical professionals determined that Curtis had actually had an obsessive hatred towards Catherine and her family. And it was further discovered that when Curtis came back to the UK on the first time, he actually went to Catherine's father's grave and plunged a dagger into the plot where he was buried. Curtis was found guilty on the charge of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after just seven years for the murder of Catherine Ailing. Horrifically, after Curtis had served just seven years for this brutal murder, Curtis was released from prison and sent back to the United States, where to this day, he walks a free man. Curtis managed to convince a parole board that he no longer posed a threat to the general public, despite the fact that he had a history of mental illness and was described as cunning, devious, violent, and dangerous by the judge that sentenced him. As you can imagine, Catherine's family was absolutely outraged by this early release, and they told the media that they believed that Curtis should have served the full 
life sentence. They don't believe Curtis served enough time for the severity of his crimes. But through all of this, there is some good news. The student advisor that Curtis had sent the letter to confessing that he had murdered Catherine was actually awarded 40,000 US dollars by the FBI for this information. And in partnership with the college that Catherine attended, they set up with that money a scholarship in Catherine's name. And this scholarship was to aid less fortunate and less privileged students in getting a degree. The college then went on to grant Catherine a posthumous degree uh, in honor of her name, and then they planted a tree in her honor too. However, since then, like I said at the start of the video, the college is no longer there. The college doesn't stand where it once stood and actually merged with the Manchester Met University. And due to this, the land where the college once stood was actually sold to property tycoons and property developers. The tree that was so kindly and respectfully dedicated to the life and memory of Catherine Ayling was recently torn down by these property developers. A very sad ending to an extremely upsetting and tragic case. And that's everything that we have for you in today's case. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my true crime series. Don't forget to like this video if you found it interesting. Leave a comment down below letting me know what you think about this case. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel if you want to see more true crime videos and turn on that bell icon so you can be notified every single time that I post. Don't forget to go and check out the Crime Time podcast. The first episode is out now as of this video going live. It is a true crime podcast that I've done with Molly Westbrook, Dark Curiosities, and Kirsty Sky. Um, it is available on YouTube. It is available on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the usual podcasts outlets. So there is a link to that in the description below. And with all that being said, I will see you in the next case. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply